Running a pet business is no walk in the park. I've been there, done that, and sure have the campfire stories to prove it. That's why Pet Boss Nation created Camp Pet Boss, where you can relax at a beautiful lake, refuel your leadership confidence with our in-person activities, and reignite your passion for the pet business of your dreams with your pet industry peers and trusted experts. Camp Pet Boss is a one-of-a-kind business retreat that mixes conference learning sessions and camp-like activities for pet professionals and their dogs. When was the last time that you got away from your business, unplugged from the chaos, and reconnected with your inner entrepreneurial spirit? And I hope that you heard me, that your furry best friend could be there too. Get ready for the most amazing and unique in-person adventure for pet business owners and their dogs, happening this summer in Lake Delton, Wisconsin, August 27th through the 30th of 2024. Tickets will sell out, and one building is already booked solid, So I want you to hit pause on this podcast and visit camppetboss.com right now to make sure that you have a room reserved. Your ticket price includes all food, lodging, and seminars. Need another reason to secure your ticket early? How about a massive discount of savings of $850 off your ticket? That's right. Early bird pricing is happening right now, but not for much longer. And I can't wait to hang out with you at camp this summer and share all those juicy pet boss stories around the campfire. Wondering what it's like to bring your pet business hopes and dreams to life? In today's episode, I spotlight one of our brand new Pet Boss Club members, Shannon Height of Wiggles and Whiskers Pet Supply in Unity, Saskatchewan, Canada. She opened her pet business only two years ago and in a town of only 2,500 people. Shannon shares some stories of the hurdles that she's faced and how you can actually overcome them if they happen to you too. This is a great episode. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Boss Your Business Podcast, the show for the local pet business owner. If you have a physical building, carry inventory, have a team, or dream of having one someday, then this podcast is for you. You'll hear honest conversations from pet pros work in the streets of Main Street, where dog business is big business. I'm your show host, Candace Daniolo the founder of Pet Boss Nation and a pet business coach. I've started, scaled, and sold three successful pet businesses and now help mentor thousands of pet professionals to see success faster together. I'm sharing my favorite business tips with you mixed with the latest secrets of what's working now, especially in this challenging world. So if you're a pet supply store, grooming salon, dog daycare, boarding facility, pet sitter, dog trainer, or really anyone covered in fur, let's get started. Welcome, Shannon, to the Boss Your Business podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited to have you here today. (laughs) Can you tell us more about Wiggles and Whiskers Pet Supply? I want to hear all the things. I opened in August 2020. I'm in a town of about 2,500 people, give or take. But we kind of service the surrounding area as well. So there's a lot of little like satellite towns or what I would call. Um, Uh So we're like the main town in the area we have the hospital we have the good restaurants you know we have all that kind of stuff so i'd say my service area is probably within about 40 minutes to an hour surrounding us really okay Um, well that's good because i would think 2500 people is not very many people 
Yeah. And I mean, that is, that was scary, but like when I was opening, I did census information for like a good hour around me uh-huh. because the closest place, like in terms of big box, like a pet value or a pet smart is an hour or more away. So especially in the winter in Saskatchewan, we get a lot of folks that just will not go that far. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, even though I'm only in that small town, we still do service quite a big area. I focus mainly on dog and cat supplies. I do have a tiny little bit of small animal and then I have my dog wash as well. And we're working on getting, it's a self-serve dog wash, kind of like what pet value has. They come in, there's a high velocity dryer, all that kind of stuff. And then we're working now on getting someone in to do nail trims and maybe grooming Mm -hmm. because, uh, there's no groomers in this town. The closest groomer, like I said, is like an almost an hour away. So it's, it's a bit frustrating and it's one of the most requested things I get, but because there's no groomers in town, I can't get any groomers to bring in. So, right. Yeah. So we're working on that, but we're almost two years in now. Things are going good. Um, we're still growing pretty steadily. So it's, it's going good. Although there are still people that come in and don't know I'm there. So there's still work to be done, but don't even worry because, you know, I was in business for 10 and I can tell you that there were with my retail store and I guarantee you there are people who've been in business by 15 years who still get people that come in. I never knew you were here. How long have you been here? (laughs) It is. It's like one of those questions. So awesome. Well, that's, that's exciting. So you've opened in the last couple of years, opening in a pandemic, Mm -hmm. I'm sure was crazy hard and wondering if if you were going to make it. Yeah. But honestly, one of, the, I mean, I might be wrong, but I think it almost kind of helped that it was in the middle of a pandemic because like, like I said, we're a small town. People weren't going to the city. Mm-hmm. That's where all of the big things were happening. You know, that's where you run into people that you don't know. And when they were doing contact tracing and all that, you don't know who you're running into at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, literally everybody knows everybody. So, you know, if this person has it, suddenly, you know, that you were with them like three days ago. So we actually had a lot of people from the city coming to the small town too, because we had groceries and the cities didn't. So it, it kind of ended up getting people into the habit of staying local and shopping local with me because they didn't want to go to the city. So then I found that since things are opening up again, and people are maybe getting more comfortable, they're already in the habit of buying their food from me, buying their treats from me. So they're not driving an hour just for that anymore. So I think it kind of, it kind of helped a bit. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, you know, we started this episode because it was important for me to introduce our listeners to somebody who has recently started so that Mm -hmm. you can maybe share some of the, what worked well, what didn't work well as you were opening and help Mm -hmm. people who are maybe thinking about starting their pet business um, to move from that place of thinking about doing it to mm-hmm. actually doing it because, yeah. uh, you know, the, the pet industry globally is actually $180 billion industry. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you're in Canada, I'm in the U S and just in the U S alone, I think it makes up 110 billion on their pets. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah. but I know that, you know, Canadians have a huge market too, and they love their pets. Yeah. And millennial pet ownership is just like growing and growing and growing. They're leading the mm-hmm. pack. And that's, I feel like what I love about that is that that's decades now, you know, it's like, I feel like if you own a pet now, if you start owning a pet early on, it's like, you don't ever stop owning a pet, right? You just keep adding to your household. Yeah. So this is generations of pet parents that we'll have now. 
So yeah. I really do think it's important for people if they're thinking about it, they love their pets. If they want a career change, the pandemic, it's kind of like the great resign of everybody resigning from their previous yeah. careers and jobs and trying Absolutely. something new. Yeah. So what is it that you did before uh, owning so- a business? Directly before I opened, I worked at the uh, the local co-op hardware store and I didn't know anything about hardware. Like I didn't know anything about paint or screws or anything. Like I was, the contractors knew more than I did and I just let them do what they wanted. I was in receiving there. And then when COVID hit, they laid me off. And then I had been kind of playing with the idea since about January of 2020. So I had already started kind of just saying like the what ifs, like you said, like, well, maybe like, what if I just look at it? It doesn't hurt, right? To just look at it. And then I think just because of my personality type, I became rather obsessed and I was digging into data. And like I said, I was looking at the census and I was triple checking everything to make sure that this would work. And I was doing surveys and surveys and surveys. And then finally I was like, now or never. The place opened, it was the perfect location. It was available for rent. Like, what do I have to lose, right? Let's let's do it now. And you know, if it works, it works. If not, I tried my damnedest. And um, so far, luckily it's working, but I mean, yeah. I was the, the, my favorite part of working in that hardware store, they had the tiniest little pet section. And when I got to put away the pet toys, that was like the highlight of my day. <laughs> um, seeing what new little toys, I mean, obviously they weren't very good, but it was like, just, you know, what new little toys came out. And I just thought they were so adorable. And, and it was also a, it's a pet friendly hardware store. So anytime a dog came in, I would leave whatever I was doing and go see the dog. So it's, it's definitely they kind of helped me springboard to that. I'd say they gave me the confidence to go, no, this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. Do you think that that kind of retail experience, even though it wasn't all pet was helpful for you in the transition of opening your own? Absolutely. Contractors, some of them were, were quite hard to work with. And I did think to myself, if I don't enjoy retail here, why am I opening a retail store? But the thing is, it's a completely different group of customers, right? Mm-hmm. So well, I didn't enjoy retail there. For one, I didn't like what I was doing because it was hardware. And for two, it, it's just a different situation. You're not dealing with people that ordered like thousands of dollars of shingles and now suddenly they're not here. You're dealing with people bringing in their dogs and, you know, they they want to talk about dog food and, and cat food and treats and stuff. And so I find they're just a lot nicer people. <laughs> so I was worried about that, that my retail dread at that would not transfer to retail and pet but I find that my customers now are great they're very understanding it's a totally different environment so I quite enjoy where I am now what one of the things that you said uh, that you did a ton of research and then this perfect place came open and you just said let's do it let's make this happen yeah. now or never I love what you just said now or never yeah were you nervous at all or are you normally somebody who likes to take risks I, I was terrified. And one of the reasons was, and I think this is important when I went to the bank originally, cause I started with nothing. Right. So when I went to the bank originally and I was like, I need a loan for this much. I had an hour appointment at the loan office. I was out of there in 15 minutes. They told me it's a stupid idea. It's not going to work in this town. That's literally what they said. Mm. I left there crying. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I had done my research. I had my numbers. I had my business plan. I had everything. When I left, yes, I was very defeated. I came home. My mom picked me up. She was like, you know, let's let's keep going. Try again. So I went even further and I was like, well, are they right? Is this not going to work? Like, I'm a very anxious person. I'm a very prepare for the worst person. So when they put that thought in my head, I was like, well, they're they're bankers. They know what they're doing, right? Maybe I'm doing it wrong. 
but then kind of my stubbornness kicked in and I was like, no, I did my research. I know what I'm doing. I've seen the dogs in this town. There are very fancy dogs in this middle of nowhere town. So my mom was like, okay, we'll just get up and go back. So I did, I got up and I went back and I was like, listen, you're going to give me this money. (laughs) I was like, this is why it's going to work. This is why I'm going to make it work. I will not let this fail. And I still like, you know, the questions I ask in a group, like I am still very like trying. I want everything to be exact. And that's just how I am. Mm -hmm. So when I planned out this business, it was very anxiety ridden because I wanted to prepare for the worst. What if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't work? So when you're so going to go to the bank yet, so going to the bank and what you prepared, did you have like uh, projections, numbers, um, any financial yep. ideas, plans? You had all that. You had your business plan yep. written out. Yep. I had three years of financial projections. I knew what my rent was going to be. I researched like insurance and, you know, everything from internet to phone to the shelving and all that stuff. I had everything. Unfortunately, the bank in town is just, they weren't into it, but I convinced them otherwise. Yeah. No, so, I had a similar um, situation. I mean, this was my, when I went into the industry back in like, I think 2006 was when I had applied for my own business loan and yeah. it was kind of similar. You know, my family was like, this is crazy. What do you, what are people yeah. going to spend money on their dogs? But, um, same thing, you know, wrote, wrote, uh, the project had the projections, wrote the business plan. Yeah. And another thing you said there that I I love is that because you had that, even when they said no, because they don't understand the concept and that's a risk, you know, for them, it's a risk. They're going to loan us money, right? So if anyone that's listening, if you don't have the means personally saved up or a family member or a friend who's going to loan you the money, you have to go to a bank and they have to, you know, they want to get their money back, right? Yeah. Uh, But they're going to get, give to you. And so, you know, even though they said no, what I love is that you were prepared, you've done the research and, Mm -hmm. and you had that, which that data, that science piece can build a confident foundation and should, you know, Mm -hmm. um, especially if someone is not as adverse to taking risks. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, and like I said, like they eventually, they eventually did give it to me. And the main stipulation was they wanted my income, my profit and loss every month. Mm. So that was fine. But then I will say that when I hit a year, she messaged me again. It was like, you're not going to make it another year. And I was like, okay. And now we're almost at August again, right? Coming up on two years. And I'm like, I mean, I guess I'm just bitter about it, but I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, I'll show you right now that this is going to work. It's, and I mean, these are people that have never been into my shop, right? They have no, they don't understand what's going on at all. So I just try to keep it kind of in that mind frame where they're not in here every day. They don't see these people that absolutely appreciate everything I do. So yeah, I will say if it was, it was hard. If you hear no, pick yourself back up and go out again. If it's what you really want, you'll find a way to make it work. And I, like I said, I have no house to put up. I have nothing. Mm -hmm. So, and it was during the pandemic. So I get, they didn't want to give out money, but just keep, keep going. If it's really what you want, keep grinding for it and you will Mm -hmm. get there. Yeah. I love it. You try a different bank. Um, yeah. Look at how your presentation was a little different. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's always ways to tweak things. And like, I don't know about, about down in the States, but up here, there's a lot of community or government run groups that help with business plans and they help with financial forecasts. And it was free. Like I had their help because I, I don't have business experience. I didn't mm-hmm. go to business school. So there's like up here, there's square one, which like they have an entire business plan template and you can meet with people for free business advice. And how do I do a financial forecast? And you know, they'll, there's people out there that will help you with that. So if you don't know how to do any of that, cause you haven't gone to business school and you just really love animals and you want to make it a better place for them 
find those places and find those community groups that will help you build that business plan and that financial forecast reports and all that good stuff because they are out there and they want to help you. So take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because here in the U S we have um, a group called score. Um, And then also the SBA small business administration has a lot of resources on their website Mm -hmm. as well. So we'll Mm -hmm. link to all this in our show notes, which you guys can Mm -hmm. access by visiting petboss.com forward slash episode 15. And we can link to these resources for both the U S and Canada as well for people. There also are usually some, some women specific ones as well, where you can find like a woman business mentor or something, Mm -hmm. um, if that's relevant to you too. So there's, you know, and there's ones for indigenous people. Like there's so much out there. You just have to look for it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll include some of those links too. Okay. Fantastic. So then you opened and now actually you've just, you know, proven that bank wrong again. (laughs) You just hit a big revenue milestone for yourself yeah. in the business. Can you tell us what I about did. That? I mean, this is going to sound small to some folks, but 10 grand a month was my kind of thing for the last few months. And I've really been trying to hit that. And I just, I just couldn't for whatever reason. And I was pushing and pushing and pushing. And then I actually, cause we have another meeting this week. And I, that was on my question list was how can I hit this? And now I did. So I don't, <laughs> don't need that. But so yeah, I finally hit my 10K a month goal and it was well and above that. So I am I am very happy with that. I lost my mind that day when I when I had looked back at my March reports and I was like, holy crap, I did it. That's right. And you joined um, the Pet Boss Club right at the beginning of that. Month. I did. Yeah. And that's like when I saw like the the pricing for profit and all those different kinds of stuff that you had, I think that and putting the chew bar front and center in my store has really bumped up what people buy. And like after changing some of my prices, nobody's noticed, nobody said anything, but my margins have skyrocketed. Yeah. Some more so, profit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. Honestly, I don't send my bank those profit and loss reports anymore because they stop responding to me about them. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. just leave me alone. I'll leave yeah. you alone. I pay right. my bills. You know, right. that's good. Like I make my monthly payment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was a big, a big, big win for me. And so now that means that I can hire some casual help because I've just been grinding this by myself. So now I can get some help and I can look at getting a groomer in or a bather or something like that. So hitting that goal for me, just that was a huge one for me that opens so much. Yeah, <laughs> me that's fantastic. Yeah, yes, I'm so proud of you. I know like in, in a small town, it can be I'm really, really hard to get to that 10 grand because, you know, you're in a community and, you know, that's fantastic. Be really, really proud. Just give yourself a pat on the back there. Pat on the back. Yeah. (laughs) And I I will say that too, what I think also contributed to it because I was on the, the board of directors for the cat shelter in town for the last five years. And I finally stepped down from that a few months ago. And that was hard for me because it's a big part of my identity, but it got to the point where I couldn't do that. And my business at the same time, mm-hmm. one of them had to go and it had to be the cat shelter. So yeah. I'm still involved. Like I still donate my expired food and mm-hmm. I still, you know, fundraise for them and all that stuff. But now a lot of my mental focus is on the business and is on marketing and is on event planning. And, and so I think being able to give a hundred percent of myself to the business now has made a difference as well. So I'm just not as burnt out, frankly. Yeah. As much as it hurt and I didn't want to leave them and, you know, it's, it's devastating. Now it feels like it was definitely the right move. Yeah. I'm glad you brought yeah. that up too, because I, I've you know heard that where a lot of people they'll start 
they start their pet business while they still have another full-time job even. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so whether they've hired other people to run the business, cause like maybe their, their corporate job has too good of benefits and maybe they're getting mm-hmm. paid more than they know they could pay themselves beginning in their businesses. That moment where they can, can grow the business enough to where now they can consider leaving their job. And then mm-hmm. once they get into the business full time, it's like, boom, everything kind of can change and exactly and grow, yeah. grow even more then. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. what surprised you, uh, I guess, either before you got open or once you were open? Um, well, the bank thing surprised me. <laughs> I'll say that. But I think what has surprised me the most since being open is the amount of people that do want to shop small. Like I know you, you probably think, well, every time I, even if you're in a city, right. Every time I go to Walmart, every time I go to PetSmart, it's packed. Okay. That's fine. But there are still people that want to shop small and they want the personal, the personal experience. They want somebody that knows their dog's name and birthday and all that stuff. So when people come into my store, I know who they are and yeah, I'm in a small town, but I think even in, in a big city, you're going to know your customers, you know what they want. Um, it's a lot more curated. Like I, I, say that I'm a curated pet store. You know what they want. They know your face when they come in. It's not somebody different. There's no high turnover where they have no idea who they're talking to from one day to the next. Um, and I think as long as you can really push that customer service thing, folks will shop with you regardless of what Chewy has priced or regardless of what PetSmart prices. Like they will shop with you because they want somebody that knows them, knows their pet, and somebody that they can talk to for 20 minutes about their dog that they love so much, right? Right, right. Somebody that's not in a hurry to get them out the door and serve the next customer. So I think I think that's that's been the shocker because I was scared, especially when stuff started to open, that they would flock back to PetSmart or whatever. And the amount of people that I've switched over from, like, we don't have Chewy up here. It's Homes Alive, it's called up here. But the amount of people that have switched over because they like being able to just come in and get it and not have to get it brought to their their house even though it's door drop off which I do but so I think I think that's that's made a big difference they want the money to stay in the community and they want to support you and your dream because you are passionate about it so that's still surprises me honestly and the the referrals come in and everybody you know it's it makes a big difference um if you can spend time with them and and show them why you they should shop with you and, and why you're better even though your prices might not be you are better since we're the episode topic is really about starting a pet business or how to move Mm -hmm. from thinking about one to doing one, what's a hard lesson or something you wish you had known or just didn't turn out the way that you thought. Like I said, when I, when I was looking at opening, I had done surveys, like I had surveyed my, my ideal demographic and it was through Facebook and emails and just frankly, just asking my friends what kind of food they were feeding, you know, what they wanted, what kind of toys they like, what kind of chews they like, what kind of pets, how many pets, like pretty much everything. Right. But I will say this, just because they say they want it doesn't mean they're going to buy it. So now that I'm almost two years in, Holy smokes, I have a lot of expiring stuff. <laughs> My dusty inventory list was at like eight grand not that long ago because mm-hmm. they say they want it and they will come in and they're like, oh, but this is made in Canada or this is made in, you know, two hours south of where I live. So let's do this instead. So I will say, yes, take recommendations of, of what they're feeding, but maybe go broader. So don't stick to like, oh, what recipe are you feeding? What brand? maybe stick more to like, is your demographic into kibble or raw and what kind of toys are they going like harder rubber toys or softer toys? Because I did drill right down Mm -hmm. to like brand recipe, you know, chicken, fish, what are you feeding? And it has not paid off. (laughs) So 
<laughs> so yeah, I will say that you can you can survey your demographic as much as you want, but in, until you open and until they start spending their money, you are not going to know yeah. what they want. Right. They don't even know what they want. I honestly don't think that they know what they want. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I had the exact same experience when we were um, going to be opening our doggy daycare. I had mm. already had my store and I was um, needed to move the store. And we had a large outdoor space that I thought about turning into doggy daycare. So I mm. surveyed all my customers. I already had a big list of customers, surveyed everyone to see one, if they would come with what kind of mm. package styles they would do. And it was kind of like, they all took the, I got a lot of great information that helped power. But at the end of the day, it was like their actions did not match what the survey yeah, results said. Exactly. And, and, you know, you had to pivot. So I think that the big lesson here, I've heard you kind of say throughout your experience is that this um, data and research is really important, but um, there are a lot of things and factors out of our control. And so we yeah, have to be able yeah. to pivot and still move forward without yeah. getting down on ourselves. And I would say also like, trust your, trust yourself. Like if you know, cause I didn't want to bring in blue Buffalo and whiskas. And so I didn't. So now those people that told me, yeah, that's what I feed. I've got them over to something better. Or if they said that they wanted neutral or something, and then suddenly they see that I have something better that is around the same price point. So just because they say they want whiskas or something like that, you can bring in something else and tell them why this is better and why they'll feed less and why this is going, you know, why they should switch essentially. Cause maybe that's all they know at this point and they haven't tried anything else and they just go to Walmart and they pick up a bag and that's it. So I think, like I said, they don't really know what they want until you tell them what you want, what they want and why they want it and why it's better. You're the expert. So you need to be the one that says, Hey, this is, this is why this is going to work for you instead of that. So and I think that's why, like I said, they're coming to a smaller environment is because maybe they're not quite sure and they want to do something better. So while I'm glad I did that surveying and I found everything out, I kind of wish that I had trusted myself more and been like, no, that's not really the best. Maybe I, should, you know, I knew what I wanted, but I wanted to make sure that I was bringing what other people wanted. And I just didn't. Now they're all on what I wanted anyways. So you know, it's, it's a matter of balancing that. I think, um, I still special order stuff for people for sure, but I think, you know, what you want in your store, you know, what your, your brand identity is going to be, and you know why you're doing this. So stick with that with maybe some outside influences, but don't just go hundred percent on your surveys because that really screwed me over in the end. Well, Shanna, this has been a jam packed episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing no generously your experiences with everyone. And I think that a lot of what you've shared can apply to people, whether they're opening a pet supply store or they're thinking about manufacturing a product or going into pet sitting or dog grooming, all oh, yeah. of these pl principles, guys, they all apply. Even though we talked a lot about inventory in a store, they all still work, yeah. work for you. Honestly, if I leave you with one thing, it's just do not give up. Like, please do not. If this is something that you want, I was floating aimlessly through the world until I was like 35. So if you, if this is always in your head and this is something that you would love and the bank says, no, your friends say, no, your parents say, no, screw them. Right. You know why you want to do this. Do it. Do not take no for an answer. You will find a way. I promise. You just, you have to work for it and it'll come. I promise it'll come. And yep. that's Shannon's mic drop. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
walk off the stage. Yeah. Walk off the stage. Yes. I couldn't yep. agree more. You know, I, I was in my five, uh, it took me five years in business to figure out what I was doing really. Yeah. And then even, you know, in Pet Boss Nation, we just turned five years old and I feel like finally, you know, we're in our stride, you know, we're figuring mm-hmm. other things out. So things do take time. And a lot of people in our outside world, our friends and family, they'll think we're crazy Mm -hmm. for wanting to start our own businesses because they're not risk takers, or maybe that's not the path for them, but just because it's not the path for them doesn't mean it's not the path for you. Yeah. And like I said, I had no business experience. A lot of what I learned, I learned on the go when I was doing it, you know, um, I have learned some lessons and I'm like, you said, I'm, I'm kind of getting into the groove of things now. So just because you don't know you know, you don't have a master's in business that shouldn't stop you from figuring it out and doing it the hard way and trying to get things done. Like I said, I had some outside advice. There are groups out there that will help you and want to help you, but you are going to have to put in the work and you'll have to grind and you'll have to do your, your research and, you know, get out there to the dog parks and wherever you have to go, because I promise it's worth it when you hit those goals and you see those dogs that have come in looking just wrecked. And then a month or two later, they look brand new again. (laughs) I promise it is worth it. It's, if it's really what you love, do it. You will. I've cried plenty. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's worth it. So please, please, please don't let somebody saying no, stop you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Shannon, so much for being here today. And Guys, if you want more help figuring out what type of business you should jump into or how do you grow your business, definitely Mm -hmm. become part of the Pet Boss Club and be part of the Pet Boss Nation community. We have our podcast, our blogs, one-on-one coaching and our um, Pet Boss Club, our monthly group coaching. So we hope you join Shannon and myself in the club. Yeah, um, I will say if I I had known this existed about two years ago, (laughs) it'd be a heck of a lot easier. But um, I'm here now, so I'm, here I'm excited. Now. Awesome. Yep. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys have the great rest of your day. Make sure to tune in next week for our next Foster Business Podcast. Guys, I'm just so honored that you are tuning into this podcast. And did you know that we've already reached the top 3% of all podcasts across the globe? It's amazing. We're climbing the charts because of our awesome listeners like you. I know there's still pet professionals out there who need to hear all of our doggone good tips shared on this show. Can you help us find them? Now, how you do that is that when you click to follow the podcast or the more you download different episodes, or if you choose to leave us a review, those things will help the podcast get pushed out into the world so that more people who need to hear this will find it. Thanks so much for your support. And until we talk next week, Stay focused, stay motivated, and go boss your business.